is the New South Wales Country Hour with Michael Condon on ABC Radio New South Wales. Hello again and welcome to the program in the lunch break in the show. The wine grape industry, they're battling low prices for many varieties in a number of regions and winemakers are keenly watching China and the tariff issue. And the cleanup is ongoing in the Tweed Valley following this week's heavy rain and flooding in the region. And we'll stay with the weather now because we'll get the latest in regards to the weather from Juan Park at the Bureau. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Michael. So we're seeing, are we seeing much rain around the state at the moment? Uh, not at this moment, apart from some coastal showers along the coast and adjacent ranges and with cooler temperatures uh, because, of, uh, because of cooler southeasterly in the wake of yesterday's southerly changes. And uh, we also de- expect some development of isolated showers or thunderstorms in the states uh, north and west, uh, where uh, in the no- northeast we may see development of severe thunderstorms uh, that may deliver localized heavy falls, but nothing like what we so early this week, <laughs> but you know, with this development in the northeast, well, there's still some chance of localized heavier falls. Uh, otherwise, warmer in the west, and uh, these isolated showers or thunderstorms uh, will also contract to the states north and west um, during Saturday. And but uh, much of uh, the south and the east will see uh, dry weather conditions on Saturday, and then. Into Sunday and Monday, we expect uh, interesting uh, weather to develop because uh, we'll be uh, seeing a trough of low pressure currently uh, developing along the central part of the continent that is drawing a very moist air mass. And this system will be entering the far west of the state on uh, Sunday and gradually move across the west on Monday into, uh, through the early new week. And with this, we will see uh, a development of a widespread rain uh, with moderate totals in many parts of the south and the west. Uh, perhaps uh, maybe widespread 20 to 50 millimeters of total in this two days event between Sunday and Monday. Uh, but um, these uh, figures could be a lot higher, uh, especially about the southern ranges and southern slopes and part of the Riverina, where uh, we may see uh, heavy totals possible. Uh, and this may le- also lead to some river level rises. And uh, otherwise, uh, in, in other parts also, uh, any thunderstorms uh, co- combined with uh, this rain or showers may de- also deliver localized heavy falls and flash flooding too. So this is uh, something to watch, you know, over, uh, over the coming days. So we're hearing uh, that uh, some of the pastoralists have been looking at the computer modelling and uh, some people in the Riverina and they're saying they could expect sort of 100 millimetres or, or more and on top of that, some thunderstorms too. So is that, is that uh, not, uh, not outside the realms of possibility? Ah, uh, well, I guess uh, it's getting some localized 7200 is quite possible in those parts uh, with the thunderstorms uh, and uh, well, um, and also over the southern slopes and the ranges where you know the, uh, the topography actually enhances the rainfall. This figure could be a bit more, but I guess uh, well, generally uh, in the southern uh, southern inland parts, especially around the Riverina. Uh, I guess the best bet would be somewhere between 50 to 100, uh, but I cannot guarantee 100 millimeters because no. uh, this could be, you know, localized, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, well, this could be localized totals with the thunderstorms. Yeah, of course. And uh, is that system going to move up into the uh, into the north and northeast and the mid-north coast and the north coast? Are they, are they going to cop another lot of rain as well? Mm. 
Probably no, although uh, the, the reason being that uh, this system will be most uh, active between Sunday and Monday, where uh, when uh, this system will be delivering much of the rainfall uh, over the west states, south and the west, and then by the time this system heads to the northeast, it will be weakening. So the, it will tend from rain into showers or thunderstorms. So uh, maybe in the northeast, we may still see uh, thunderstorms, uh, showers or thunderstorms continuing. Um, through the middle part of the week, but uh, it will be very much localized, not widespread. Okay, and then rain heading around for hanging around for a while, or then petering out. Uh, actually, uh, tapering out uh, from Tuesday onward. Actually, peaking uh, between Sunday and Monday, and then by Tuesday we expected this uh, this system completely, uh, you know, tending to showers rather than rain. And but on the other hand, uh, as I said, you know, the uh, the focus areas will be shifting to the northeast, where we may still see severe thunderstorms that is still delivering uh, rainfall in in the form of localized heavy falls with the thunderstorms. So we're a few days out. So there could be some risk of some flooding and things could change a little bit between now and then? Uh, well, for um, for Sunday and Monday, I guess, uh, the, uh, well, actually our computer models are quite lining up and indicating uh, quite a moist air mass associated with this. So, um, I mean, this widespread rain is quite likely uh, between these two days period. But on the other hand, on Tuesday or another, there is still some uncertainty because of, uh, we, we don't know what this system will do. You know, once it moves, uh, once it reaches the northeast. Okay, so it remains to be seen. There's a couple of question marks here, as as always. Yuan, thanks for that. My pleasure. It's coming up to twenty minutes to one here on uh, the country hour in the lunch break in the cricket. Well, the wine grape industry is battling low prices for many varieties in a number of regions, and winemakers are keenly watching China. The inside intelligence is that an announcement will be made by May- Beijing around about March with the tariffs. The tip is being reduced to zero. James Robson is co-owner of Ross Hill Wines near Orange and he says he's already had inquiries from Chinese buyers and the season has also been kind. Oh, Michael, all in all, it's, it's, it's looking really good, actually. Um, we've, had, um, we've had some hailstorms. Um, we, we copped one here at, at, up at, at Wallace Lane, which is 1,000 metres above sea level. Um, but that's sporadic. Um, you know, the, our other vineyard hasn't, hasn't, hasn't seen any. Um, so the rain, um, you know, strangely has, um, you know, we all thought we were going into, you know, the next big drought, but that certainly hasn't happened. Um, so... Um, the, the the weather is like you said. It's very strange. Um, it's very hard to predict, and it's very odd. Um, but you know, the vineyards in Orange, and I've you know, I've been talking to a few people in the last week. Um, uh, everyone is saying it's really solid. Um, touch wood, obviously, because we've still got a long way to go. And what about other areas? Because I know you're on the uh, wine board in New South Wales. Other areas, you know, uh, wine grape pricing for some in the MIA, Riverland, and South Australia. Uh, they they're, uh, they reckon they've seen the lowest prices there ever. Certainly in the Riverland um, and Griffith, yeah, things are very, really tough, and um, you know there, there needs to be an adjustment. What those regions need is some some opening up of some big um, exports. Uh, but um, here in Orange is a different story. Um, grape prices are very strong. We're getting actually, you know, um, us, we, I buy a lot of fruit, um, and you know, we, uh, we we're getting you know some competition from out of region. 
um, now from from Mudgee and the Hunter um, quite heavily as well. So uh, you're right. I think that the prices down in, in Griffith are, are the toughest it has been. And the, you know, I really worry about that for those for those growers. There's some very very good growers down in those regions, and it's a very important part of the Australian wine industry. And um, we've got to get it resolved. I don't have the answers, but we do. Yeah, you mentioned there would be nice to increase exports to a, a major player, and there's talk that China might be back in March, and that that is what you're hearing from some of your uh, customers over there. Yeah, I've got re- two really good customers in China. Um, we're we're pretty small fry compared to you know a lot of other regions, um, but uh, they've been very good good customers. And yeah, the, the 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 talk around town is March, maybe April, but March is March is looking pretty good. Where we're actually getting some uh, some wines, uh, you know, ready for that. You know, we hope that you know the dialogue continues, and you know, um, you know they're, they're actually from an economic point of view. China is actually a very good place to uh, to sell wine into because um, uh, they're good to deal with, and also you know the the, the promise or you know the, the popularity of wine in, in, in China is something that's very real, and, and people are now actually uh, drinking it and enjoying it, and yeah, so it's good. And Australia still still up there, still well regarded, and you think it will be a fairly fairly tri- seamless transition back? No, actually, I think our <laughs> no, I don't actually think that. I think our competitors have done a pretty good job while we've been um, shut out. Um, I think that Australia, in 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 total, not just in wine, but in total, is seen as a very reliable, uh, good place to do business with. We're environmentally. Uh, we're seen uh, as as gold standard, but you know, no, 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 no. Or any market that you get shut out of to get back into is not an easy transition, and there's a lot of hard work that has to go into it. And is there talk that the tariff will be reduced what to zero from what a hundred yeah, yeah. over a hundred percent? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's the talk, and you know, there's, there's no point in getting political about any of this, but um, that is the talk, and it seems to to me that you know dialogue uh, between our two governments is something that's working and let's let's hope that continues because just from an economic point of view and that's all i'm talking about here is economically um is that you know if, uh, for a lot of farmers not just the wine industry for a lot of farmers um it's, it's good to see see that market being reopened be good be good for it to happen before people are forced to go to the wall oh mate you know uh, you know the wine industry is a very tough game mm. There is no, there is no question about that. Uh, we love it and we're very passionate about it, but it's a, it's a tough game. And yeah, we 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 would love to see uh, that that market. I know that the biggest uh, producer uh, of wine and exporting of wine um, is 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 back in there and working very hard, and that's very important because they are they are the leading voice of wine. Um, um, you know, being Penfolds um, in in uh, in China uh, for Australia. And they are in there and they're working hard. And that's very important for the rest of the industry because, like you said, we, 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 all we want is a healthy industry. And that's at all aspects of it, you know. And, and that, that really starts with the growers. You know, we, we need growers to be, to be making a living out of it. And we, we don't like seeing people, um, uh, you know, having to rip their vines out. That's a, that's a terrible result because, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a different um, industry. You know, those vines, some of those vines have been in there 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever years. And a lot of blood, sweat and tears have got into that. You know, no one wants to see that. James Robson is co-owner of Ross Hill Wines near Orange and it's uh, coming up to uh, 13 minutes to one in the lunch break in the cricket. ABC Listen.
podcasts, radio, news, music and more. The clean-up is ongoing in the Tweed Valley following this week's heavy rain and flooding in the region. Local cane farmer Alan Brown was one of the volunteers behind a gurney washing out the buildings at Mwollombar Showground. He's been involved with the community facility for nearly 40 years and he's seen his share of fair share of floods through it in that time. Oh, I think any time that you're looking at a rain event like we've just had, you know that the showground is definitely going to get flooded. As to how high it's going to get, that's debatable because the other day when we were putting stuff up and, and even when we were trying to take precautions at home and you're still getting reports from the Bureau of Meteorology saying that you could be getting another 150 to 250 mil that night, well, it's anybody's guess how high it would get if, you, if that had eventuated. So you said you had to take precautions at your own place? Oh, certainly, yeah. We've got... Uh, a farming operation. We've also got uh, boarding kennels and um, friends of the pound. We have the council pound at our place, so there is a lot of uh, a lot of things and a lot of you know, a lot of precautions that needed to be taken into account. And what do you farm? And was your property flooded? We've got sugarcane, so like the river didn't break its bank. We had rainwater. We did have part of the farm that's sort of between. The levee bank and the natural river bank, it got inundated with flood water. We had some soybeans there that went under probably two to three metres of muddy flood water. But and we had about 50 acres of soybeans planted prior to the flood. And like some of those went underwater, rainwater, and hopefully they will, those ones will survive. But uh, yeah, it's not uh, a lot of like my brother, he had a a lot of erosion issues because of uh, the way the river breaks its banks these days and I think even some of the local developments and that are, is actually forcing water in a different direction so that uh, any of the farms in the Kinnamoon region have copped a, a real, uh, real caning in recent years with floods. And how soon do you think you'll be able to fully assess any potential damage to your soybean crop? Were you pretty confident it'll be okay? Um, most of it, I hope, will be okay. It just depends, like, if you keep getting really hot, warm weather or, like, it could uh, cook the, the soya beans or, uh, yeah, the roots could burn off, like, if it gets too hot while the soil's still damp. But uh, there is still more soya beans to plant and if we don't get, get ideal conditions, like, that might sort of get into a time frame where you haven't got a small window to get them planted so like if it's still not ideal conditions before the end of January well you start running out of time to get your crop planted. And do you need some fresh rain now to wash off any silt that's landed on the paddocks? That's what you'd think it'd be nice but realistically it it doesn't really work like uh, we've had that in the past like when we were still daring and you think oh rain would be nice but we've even found like even when you're sort of cleaning up like we are here at the showground that uh, flood silt is pretty hard to shift and it takes a long time to actually move off grass like a lot of we got a lot of wet weather after 2022 and uh, and the silt didn't disappear off the grass especially where it was really thick it had trouble disappearing anyway but there was cattle had uh, like there was cattle loss because of silt on grass so it 
and we had wet weather after the 2022 flood. So it, it doesn't really wash off real easy. As I say, like the concrete here in the facilities at the showground, we had to use gurneys to, to clean them up. It, you can't just hose it and think that the silt's going to go away. You, you wash it and you come back half an hour later and it just looks muddy again. So it's pretty stubborn stuff. And you said that you've got boarding kennels. Did you have to sort of relocate a lot of animals, a lot of dogs or anything? We took precautions um, in preparation. We have a flood mound where we've, uh, we have portable kennels and they were put up there ready to, to utilise, but we didn't shift them until they needed to be shifted. So, But we didn't get much sleep Sunday night or Monday night, whatever. Mm, did you have a lot of anxious owners calling you to make sure their animals are OK? Uh, not particularly. They, they know we look after them, but uh, a lot of them are, are not actual uh, boarders. A lot of them are dogs that have belonged to Friends of the Pound that are looking for homes that we care for or, uh, or actual pound dogs, so, yeah, and cats, yeah. It's uh, local cane farmer Alan Brown speaking there with Kim Honan at the Milwaukee Bar Showgrounds. It's eight to one. You're listening to The Country Hour on ABC Radio New South Wales. A below-average harvest in parts of the Central West has prompted three communities to band together to prepare a drought resilience plan. Warm, dry conditions in the winter and spring led to lower crop yields in some areas. It's prompted the Lachlan, Parks and Forbes councils to uh, work to apply for and receive a grant from the state and federal governments to develop a strategy to help rural communities prepare for and adapt to to droughts. Lachlanshire Mayor Paul Phillips told Hugh Hogan that he welcomes that funding for the region. We've got to get shovel ready to get these things. So basically that's what it was all about. And uh, during that course, uh, the harvest wasn't good. Um, I'll give you a little quick example of harvest out here. Lagatilico was okay. Naradin was okay. Yuwabalong West, a huge receival, down 50%. Condobalan down 50%. Tunnable yield down 65%. Uh, West Wyalong, again, down 50%. So you can see what the panic was about, trying to get something organised to um, suffice. If, this, if the information we're all receiving this grant was going to be as worse as, as what they said it was going to be, but since then, we've had uh, bits of rain periodically, but uh, a lot of this rain, too, well, some have been lucky. Others who haven't been as lucky, we're not getting the run of the water into the dams. So we're still concerned for those that aren't on a river or aren't on uh, a large reservoir of water somewhere. Mm. So it has been rain since, but as you mentioned, there a lot of grass around, but uh, sort of permanent water sources are still a bit of an issue? You're spot on. You're spot on here. Look, I've never seen some of the country look as good because of these spasmatic storms, like we've got green grass, in January in Lake Adelico and in our area. Like, that's pretty much unheard of out here if we lived here as long as I have. Like, we're looking at bare dirt now and uh, hoping that it's going to turn around and rain in February, March. So, like, lakes have been getting uh, half showers, something on 20 mil, 30 mil, and they've got the ploughs going and uh, get everything set and then all of a sudden they get another 20 mil and so they've got to re- rehash it all again and uh, put the chemical back out again, so... It's been good for some, but not so good for others. As I said, there's been no runoff. So they're putting together this drought plan now. From your point of view and the council's point of view, what do you hope to achieve from this process? 
Well, as I said, mate, we've got to be shovel ready. And uh, the way things are going now, um, as I just previously mentioned, we've had no harvest or very little harvest because all our receivables are down 50%. So uh, we're looking at uh, some sort of, um, I guess, what we're going to have to be looking at is um, some water issues right across the shore. Uh, the cockies are going to get their water for their stock, etc. if we don't get a runoff in the near future. So it's all about water and getting shovel ready. So they're putting a plan together, so parks will have a little bit of different ideas of what we'll have, but then you get into Tottenham. They're, they're as dry as a bone over there. So every every area in our shire will have a little bit different uh, point of view of what they want done. So that's what they're hashing out now. And uh, as I said, to be shovel ready, if there's a grant coming, we want to be there and want to be able to put, put our uh, proposals forward. Lachlan Shire Mayor Paul Phillips speaking there to Hugh Hogan in the Central West. It's coming up to four minutes to one. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. You're listening to The Country Hour on ABC Radio New South Wales. After another flooding event on the south coast, multiple oyster estuaries have faced more closures. It comes just weeks after heavy rainfall impacted, heavy rainfall event impacted on produce in late November last year. The New South Wales Food Authority has closed harvest areas and leases in areas like Pambula, uh, Wapango and Boomagui. Reporter Bernie Clark spoke to Angus Rivett, who's the owner of Five Star Oyster Company in Batemans Bay, about the impact heavy rainfall can have have on oysters floods usually lead to river closures and some damage stock loss and obviously income for the business this isn't a particularly bad flood right here in batman's bay but it is impactful given the time of year the biggest selling time the first flood that hit the south coast how did your business become affected then well sales stopped we're still sort of calculating the degree of mortality within oyster populations on the farm so that the verdict's still out there, but we will get an accurate estimation, I imagine. And yeah, some minimal damage to leases, infrastructure and things like that. And how does the most recent flooding compare to the last one? This one's not as severe. Fortunately, we had some good tides around the time it flooded, so we got a good flush out of the fresh. Unfortunately, it's still lingering. Now the tides have receded. Not quite as impactful, but just unusual because we, you know, the experts predicted a long, hot, dry summer, so we were sort of thinking more dry bush, bushfire sort of thing. But, you know, you can never protect these things. It's in God's hands, so see what happens. Just farming. <laughs> How are oyster growers on the south coast feeling about uh, this recent weather? Uh, they're probably feeling like it's just another stage in the farming journey. Disappointed that they'll miss out on some of the major summer sales for now, but you just don't look backwards, you just try and look forwards. I imagine that's what everyone's feeling. When are you hoping to open? Uh, I'd estimate within a fortnight, Bernie, but we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's a a big holiday season at the moment, so have you had to uh, let quite a few businesses know that you can't sell them their oysters? How are they going? Yeah, I have let the customers know. Um, Most of them have plan Bs and Cs, so they find other estuaries or other locations that aren't impacted and they, you know, work their business like that. And how is the rest of the year looking then for your business? I'm still optimistic. I mean, what are we, only three days in? The river's closed now, but, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how the year pans out. 
it's early days, Bernie. There's always work to do on the farm. So when you've got river closures like this and uh, low salinity water, you get onto the other jobs, which, you know, you find it hard to find time to do when the river's open and everything's flourishing. So you've always got work to do if the work is never done. Angus Rivet is the owner of Five Star Oyster Company in Batemans Bay, talking to Bernie Clark. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. And uh, still on things aquatic, the uh, New South Wales Department of Primary Industries suspects a virus is behind a significant fish kill near the Blue Mountains. The DPI has sent samples away for testing after dozens of redfin, also known as European perch, died at Lake Wallace near Lithgow this week. We had a report from there yesterday on the program. The department says the samples will be tested for the EHN virus, which is known to kill redfin, but also can impact other native fish. A spokesperson says the virus doesn't pose a human health risk and the fish from the area can still be consumed. The virus was first reported in New South Wales in the Blowering Dam near Tumut in 1986. You're listening to The Country Hour. It's uh, coming up to, uh, well, it's just turned one o'clock. You're listening to The Country Hour on ABC Radio New South Wales. After the spread of varroa mite across New South Wales last year and the transition to a national plan to manage the parasite, beekeepers in New South Wales are pretty keen to put 2023 behind them. But the President of Crop Pollination Australia says delays by the Department of Primary Industries over registering key miticides used to treat the parasite is causing a few headaches for beekeepers. President of Crop Pollination Association of Australia, Steve Fuller, spoke with our reporter Charles Rushworth. Beekeeping isn't something that's on the shelf. You just can't go and pull beehives off the shelf and put them in the pollination. So let's talk almonds, which are usually around September. We should be getting hives ready now for September. Uh, berries are coming on uh, now or around February. So that'll be raspberries, blackberries, and then in uh, April will be blueberries. So we needed to have hives being ready for them three months ago. It, it's this is what we can't plan. So we can't plan. The farmers don't know what to order, how to order and all this. So it's a little bit up in the air for everyone at the moment still. Is there anything, any, any timeline um, in terms of that communication, when it's expected? Uh, yeah, I heard they had a meeting um, just towards mid, mid to late down December. Um, that should be um, agreed to. If that gets agreed to, then we'll go to... Uh, it's got to go to the National Management Group to be signed off. Uh, we're looking at another three months, about March before we really get any true indication of what they're doing. And if that is the case, um, what will those, those delays mean for your business? Um, it'll mean that um, we'll be behind the eight ball again. Um, we've got a lot in place so that we're not, so the farmers aren't missing out on their produce or bees to pollinate. So uh, we're trying the best that we can, but... Um, We'd really like to see a little bit more uh, concrete um, clarification, if I can say it that way. In terms of Varroa um, in your local area, what are you hearing from beekeepers? Do you think it's spread much? We know it is spreading here uh, around Coffs Harbour. There has been a few more reports of um, blokes within that area have found it. I was talking to a friend the other day. He um, was due up to do his washes. He'd done some and, uh, yeah, he found them in 12 of his hives. So, look, it's slowly spreading. Um, Maybe it can slow down a little bit because of the hot weather and uh, and the rain. 
um, which sounds a bit strange. There's just not a lot of honey around at the moment. President of Crop Pollination Association of Australia, Steve Fuller, speaking there to Charles Rushworth and uh, the ABC, did contact the Department of Primary Industries for comment in regard to the registration of those key miticides, uh, but we're yet to hear back from them in regards to that. It's uh, time to go to markets. Let's go to Griffith Sheep and Lambs. Good afternoon. Strong start to the selling year at Griffith today with much dearer price results across a yarding of 6,000 lambs. Agents did bring out some very good hard-finished lambs off grain and competition ramped up despite a keen northern export and not operating. Prices reached a top of $257.80 for some quality second cross lambs off grain and estimated at 34 to 35 kilos carcass weight. After this, there was a run of sales from $200 to $250 with these good processing lambs estimated from $740 to $780 cents a kilo carcass weight. Some of the neat trade lambs at $170 to $210 were being worked out nearer to $800 cents and above at times. With agents noting that any reasonable lambs with a bit of shape and finishing were virtually making $160 plus today. There wasn't a lot of secondary light lambs available. Likewise, only a few hundred sheep were yarded and prices were trending dearer on limited quotes with some neat merino used with a bit of skin from $100 to $120. Jenny Kelly for MLA. You've been listening to the New South Wales Country Hour in the lunch break in the cricket. We'll be heading back to the cricket shortly.